Real quick before I start the show today, I wanted to let you know that I now have a YouTube channel and I'm going to have new episodes of the show up on the channel as well as some short little clips here and there. You can find that at fairlyimportant.com slash YouTube or you can just go to YouTube and type in the words fairly important. I'll be sure to have a link in the show notes. Okay, on to the show. Okay, I'm not going to try to sugarcoat this or anything. I think that politics is really slimy. It's just slimy and swampy, and there are things that are happening in the political world that I think about, and they just make me feel dirty inside. And you might be in that same boat. And if you're a Christian, you might think, well, that's why I don't want to be involved in it. Whether it's running for office, whether it's voting for somebody who's running, I don't want to be a part of it. But I'm convinced now more than ever that believers need to know what's happening in the world of politics, and they got to be active in that arena. Because we all know that Satan has plenty of people really hard at work in the political realm. about religion or politics. And that always made me laugh because those are the two things that I find myself talking about the most. And that's not to say that there aren't other things that I'm interested in. There are. I love spending time with my family. I'm kind of a Nintendo fanatic. I like to go fishing. Although, as our family has grown, I've found fewer and fewer opportunities to do so because of all the small children running around. But when I think about the things that just pique my interest and that I really want to talk about, it typically goes back to some form of discussing politics or religion. And so I always found that weird because if you have a deeply held religious belief, why wouldn't you want to talk about it? And if you really care about something that's happening in the political sphere, Again, why would you just stay quiet because someone came up with this rule however many centuries ago that you're not supposed to talk about those things? Because if that's the reason, it's not a good enough reason for me to stay quiet. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I feel like a lot of well-meaning believers can, can take that phrase, and maybe they heard when they were a little kid, They can take that phrase to heart, and in the process, they end up denying themselves the opportunity to talk about the gospel, to talk about Jesus, to talk about his love for this sin-sick world, and they deny themselves the opportunity to be involved in God's work here on this earth through the political process. By the way, thanks for joining me here today. I'm Travis Rusco, and this is a Fairly Important Podcast, episode 47. Now, you might not think that there's any way in which God is working through the political process, but I think God is sovereign. He's in control of everything that's going on. 
He's not caught by surprise when somebody who's really scummy gets elected into office, and he's also not thrown off when maybe somebody who you thought was a good guy ends up losing an election. He is involved in the political process. And as a believer, I feel that I should be involved in it as well. So today I'm going to talk about some reasons why believers should get involved in politics, whether you're you know, running for an office or whether you're just being involved as an activist, as somebody on the ground, as somebody who can make an impact in the political process. But before I do that, I do want to remind you that a fairly important podcast is a listener-supported show. So if you appreciate what I do, if the podcast brings value to your day, head over to fairlyimportant.com slash support and give a gift today so I can keep the lights on. It can be a one-time gift. It can be a monthly gift. And also make sure to follow me over on Twitter, Getter, and Parlor at Fairly Important. But back to the topic of Christians being involved in politics. And now... While I feel like I have some wisdom to share on this, I also think it's really important to try to glean things, obviously from Scripture, but also from other believers who have been at this a lot longer than I have. And there's a number of people out there who have opinions on this that I really respect. And someone who I think has a lot of wisdom on this is a guy by the name of Frank Turek. He wrote a book a number of years ago called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, and he has a ministry called Cross Examined, and you can check him out on YouTube and Twitter and all those different places. And a number of the things that I'm going to be talking about today come from him, but he gives several reasons that Christians should be involved in the political process. So here's the first reason, and Right here, this reason is pulled right from um, the list that Frank Turek gives. He says, God created governments, and he called us to be salt and light in everything we do. And as a believer, I understand that God created everything that, that exists, and governments are no exception to that rule. Here's a few verses to, um, to think about when it comes to government. In Daniel 2.21, we read, He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. That one is really important um, when, uh, when your guy didn't win. I've been around for enough elections that I cared about where I had to be reminded that God is the one who puts those rulers in place, and and he's the one who who takes them out of their uh, position of authority. He does that. When Pilate was um, interrogating Christ in John 19, 10 through 11, he says, Will you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered him and said, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. 
And again, it's just another reminder that nobody, not even Pontius Pilate, is going to end up in a position of authority unless God allows it to happen. Probably one of the most familiar verses in the Bible dealing with um, dealing with government and the fact that God is the one who who created government and, and, and who puts government in place is Romans 13.1. It says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. You go further on in Romans and you read, starting in verse 2 of that same chapter, therefore whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. And people will look at verse 2, where it tells us not to resist the authorities, and they'll say, you, you know, you just have to, uh, you have to do what they tell you to do all the time. You have to listen to them. And there are many times where that's the case. But that's also not a blanket statement. In Acts 5, the apostles were arrested and they were brought to the high priest, and they're before the council, and they were arrested, by the way, for preaching the gospel. And so they're set before the council, and the high priest questions them, and he says, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And in verse 29, again, this is Acts chapter 5, in verse 29, It says, But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. We are to obey the governing authorities. Romans makes that clear. But there's plenty of instances where the government tries to forbid people from doing something that is going to honor God. And in those instances... We must obey God rather than men. But again, Romans 13 is one of those main areas in the Bible that we go to to see that, yes, God made the governing authorities, and there's no authority in place except for the authorities that were instituted by God. And as Frank Turek points out here, One of the many reasons that Christians need to be involved in politics is because God created the governments and because we are supposed to be salt and light in everything. And there's something else that he has pointed out numerous times that ties right in with this. And that is that as human beings, we try to separate the secular and the sacred. When we think of sacred things, we think of going to church, we think of praying, we think of reading our Bible, we think of evangelism. When we think of secular things, we think of engaging in politics, going to school, going to work. But for the believer, there isn't a dividing wall between the secular and the sacred. And I know there's a lot of people that say, whoa, ho, 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 hold on, separation of church and state. Number one, separation of church and state is nowhere in the Constitution. But the idea of separation of church and state is that the government should not have any role in putting in place 
a state-sanctioned religion. It's one of the reasons that we rebelled against the crown. We didn't want the king saying, here's the church that I decree to be the one true church. We didn't want a theocracy. But separation of church and state does not mean that kids can't read their Bible in school or pray in school. And again, it's not in the Constitution. As believers, there should not be a dividing wall between the sacred and the secular. Because we live and breathe and do life all over the place. And most of the time, unless you're like a a monk who's living in a monastery somewhere, and if you are, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're not listening to my podcast right now, but in most cases, most Christians are spending more of their time out in the, quote, secular areas of life, at their job, in school, at their kid's ballet recital. And there's nothing in Scripture that I see that says when we are engaged in those activities that we are supposed to, I don't know, flip a switch and realize that we're in the secular space and that Christianity has no place there. In fact, it's the exact opposite. It's, it's Christ calling us to be salt and light in everything that we need to take into consideration. So one of the reasons that he gives is that God created governments and he called us to be salt and light in everything that we do. And our interaction with government can be a great opportunity for us to be salt and light. And think about it from this perspective. I know politics causes all kinds of division, but so does religion. But a lot of the things that that people get passionate about in the political sphere are ripe opportunities for you to be salt and light. There are people out there that are so passionate about the idea that a woman should have the right to choose. Notice that most of the time, they don't continue that thought, okay, to choose what? Now, if you're pro-life, you know what they want a woman to have the right to choose. They want a woman to have the right to choose to end the life of their own child. And as a believer, you can be engaged in that discussion, a discussion that's, quote, political, that should only take place within that sphere, apparently. You can be involved in that discussion, and you can bring God's word into that, and you can talk about the sanctity of human life. And in that process, you can be a greater salt and light than maybe you'd ever have the opportunity to be, you know, singing in the choir at your church, for instance. And that isn't to say that singing in the choir at your church isn't a way that you can glorify God or that it isn't a way where you can be salt and light because you absolutely can be salt and light that way. But you can also be salt and light having these conversations in what is considered the secular realm of politics. Here's reason number two, and it's another one that Frank Turek mentions, but I think it should just be obvious to anybody, and that is that politics affects the church and evangelism. Think about the most despotic regime on the face of this planet, and think about the political process and the political freedom that people have living under that regime. There are places in this world where you cannot preach the gospel publicly. 
there are countries where the only way to get in as a missionary is to say that you're coming as a teacher or as an aid worker. Countries where if you were caught sharing the gospel, you would literally lose your head. And that is the case in those countries because of politics. It's also the case in those countries because of cultural and religious influences. You know, you, you, you get decapitated in Muslim-majority countries for converting to Christ because Islam tells people to decapitate people if they convert to Christ. But it's also because of the political climate in those countries. And so we have to be involved in the political process in America, or, or wherever it is that you're, you're listening to this. We have to be involved. And you got to have your ear to the ground and be focusing on the threats that are coming at you and your family through the political process. I'll give you an example. As a believer, I'm really concerned about things like freedom of speech. Because without true freedom of speech, our ability to share the entire counsel of God's word becomes severely compromised. And what we're left with is a watered-down version of the gospel that is devoid of any talk about sin or our need to repent or the teaching that Christ is the one true way and that no other paths lead to the Father, no other no other options out there lead to eternal life. And the speech police will say that this is a great thing because to them, it's more important that people aren't offended, that feelings aren't hurt, than it is that you and I would have the opportunity to, to say things and to believe things that we hold to be true. We live in a society that is valuing people's feelings above the truth at an alarming rate. And yeah, people get these ideas about people's feelings being more important than the truth. They get these ideas from their far-left universities and the media and the entertainment industry. But they also increasingly get these ideas through the political process. So, look, as a believer, if you can say free speech isn't really that important to me, um, my ability to share the gospel without, you know, going to jail or being fined because I'm saying something or teaching something that some people find distasteful. If you feel like those things aren't important to you, it makes me wonder how important it is to you to share the gospel with people. And only you know that. Here's a third reason why I think we need to care about politics as believers. We need to care about politics because we get our laws through the political process. And as things are made legal, they become more socially acceptable. Now, this is not to say that laws are going to keep everyone from doing things that are improper. You will always have people break the law. But I'm convinced that we have far fewer murders because of the legal consequences of 
murdering people? How many more people would we have acting out and murdering people in blind fits of rage, whether it's over money, whether it's over a broken relationship, if there were not legal consequences? You might think that's nuts. Well, here's an example. It's with something that's, at least in the world's eyes, nowhere near as serious as murder. But if you look at California, there's there's areas in California. I don't know if it's L.A. or San Francisco right now or if it's both of them. Maybe it's all of California. I don't know. It's just uh, insane over there in general. But there are at least certain areas in California where they've basically decriminalized shoplifting as long as it's under a certain dollar amount. And I think it's pretty a pretty generous amount for the shoplifters. Where essentially, if you are shoplifting and it's under, I don't know, $500, $600 in a single crime spree, they're not going to do anything. And you will find videos all over YouTube and TikTok and Twitter of just blatant criminal disregard where groups of thugs will wander into a Walgreens or a CVS and they'll just start emptying the shelves. I've seen videos where where guys will go into a store and they'll just grab like 12 pairs of jeans and just casually walk out the door with them because no one's going to stop them. And again, those laws around shoplifting in California came to us through the political process. Thankfully, we're at a place as a society where most of us understand it's not socially acceptable to wander into Walgreens and fill up your purse with as much eyeliner as you possibly can. But as you see more and more of this, it will become more acceptable. Maybe it'll just be looked at as, you know, a gray area, a little vice that people have. But as a generation of kids grows up and they see, well, why would I pay for that stuff if I don't have to? It'll become more acceptable. So again, we need to care about politics as believers because we get our laws through the political process. Reason number four, God is a God of order, and government is an institution he put in place to bring about order in society. There isn't anything chaotic about God's plan for the ages. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. He is a God of order. And one of the ways that he puts things in order is through the institutions that he has created. God created the institution of marriage. And in marriage, the man is supposed to be the leader. And I've said this a million times, but I'll say it again for somebody who's listening to me for the first time ever and who's going to accuse me of saying something that I'm not saying. But men are to lead and to love their wife as Christ loved the church, okay? But he put marriage in place as an institution to bring about order in society, where the man leads his wife. Family is another institution. The man leads the wife and leads the the children. 
the church is an institution. You have a person who's in a position of leadership in the church, and maybe you have some deacons as well who come alongside that pastor. Government is another one of the institutions that God put in place because he is a God of order, and he wants order to reign within his creation. But there are times when people who are in positions of governmental authority want to tear down the foundation and the structure that a a government was built on. They want to tear it down and they want to replace it with either anarchy or communism or socialism. And we need believers who look at that and they say, no, I'm sorry, God has placed this government here as a tool to bring about order in our society And the ideas that you're proposing don't have anything to do with order. They're chaotic. Maybe they're godless. They are extreme. They are detrimental to the future of our nation. And we can't have this. So as believers, we are going to step into the political process and be salt and light. Reason number five, and I'll end with this, we are supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. And there are a lot of religious groups out there that will actually use that scriptural teaching as one of the um, one of the defenses for staying out of politics. We are to be in the world, but not of the world. But to me, I look at that and I say, again, that goes hand in hand with that idea of being salt and light. Most of our interactions with other human beings are going to take place in, again, what is, I believe, incorrectly labeled as secular society. That's where most of our interactions are going to take place. And so what we do in those, uh, in those instances is we show people as salt in light, as ambassadors for Jesus Christ, we show people that, hey, there's another way to do this. Yeah, we live here. We're on this earth. It's a broken, sin-sick planet, but that doesn't mean that we need to, to go about things as though everything is broken. Instead, we could choose to honor God even in the swamp of politics. Anyway, those are my five reasons that I think Christians should be involved in politics. And I'm going to have to wrap it up right there because um, I had a little bit of an interesting past 24 hours or so. I was actually feeling really under the weather, and I didn't think I was even going to get this episode out the door, but I have managed to do that. It's unfortunately going out onto... Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Spotify about, um, I don't know, 18 hours later than I would like it to, but it's still going out on a Monday as I try to have each episode out on a Monday. But I'm going to have to wrap up for now, and I want to thank you for tuning in and hearing what I've got to say. Let me know what you think about this. Reach out to me on Twitter, Getter, or Parlor at Fairly Important, and tell me if you agree with me or if I am insane. Thanks for being here today. 
I hope you stop by again real soon. God bless. Hey, I bet you thought I was gone, but I'm not, and apparently neither are you. If you don't mind, I'd love for you to do me a quick favor. Hit the subscribe or follow button in whatever podcast app you're using right now. I'll also ask you to review the show. If you do a written review, I might even read it on an upcoming episode. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, CastBox, Podcast Addict, or Podchaser or at fairlyimportant.com slash love the podcast. Okay, I'm going to go for real now. You can go too.